I thought about it afterwards and I thought how amazing that these people probably came and ate in my restaurant um, many times and at the Hilton, Hilton and Urban and Mayfair and it's kind of nice now maybe I can feed them you know in their last few years in, in aged care and make a difference. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. The pandemic has changed us all. Some who have spent a lifetime carving out careers have had new realisations, taken the plunge and taken on new challenges. More meaningful and purposeful challenges, not just for a better life for themselves, but for fellow human beings too. Bethany Finn is the chef in residence at Aged Care Facility Life Care. Bethany, how are you going? Hello, I'm well. Thank you. Thank you for um, bringing me on to this. Well, it's good to talk to you. You've had a pretty big life change just recently. You've spent seven years building the Mayfair um, from scratch, handpicking your team, but the pandemic changed everything and you've gone in a different direction with life care. Can you tell us about that decision to, to move into such a different direction? Yeah, it wasn't um, it wasn't an easy decision. Um, I suppose my career has evolved to come to that decision in the end. Um, but you know, I've just absolutely loved Mayfair, and because it was from scratch, designing the kitchen and hand picking the team and creating a concept for the restaurant um, and putting the whole thing together was very personal, and it was um, it was a, a combination of of everything I've learned in my career from restaurants and and hotels and, and travel and it just sort of all came together beautifully for a boutique hotel so it wasn't really just a hotel formula. It had to have uh, a bit of a restaurant uh, element and understanding and being that I was, I'm an Adelaide girl, uh, you know, I pretty well understood the market um, and, um, and to my... Um, advantage it sort of landed really well and it was up and running reasonably quickly although you don't sleep or eat properly for the first six months of opening a hotel it's hard work Um, but it was particularly sad to say goodbye to what I had achieved but obviously the pandemic really um, did push that along. You've made a real name for yourself not just in Adelaide and South Australia but right across Australia uh, but you've always um, stayed in South Australia and had many successes there. Tell, tell us about Adelaide food and, and your history there. You've had a strong history with the Hilton Group as well. Yeah, look, you know, I've been really, really fortunate to be able to stay in Adelaide with my family and my friends. And I didn't, um, I didn't really have to go to the eastern states to succeed, although... Um, you know, I've had three fantastic bites of the cherry in Adelaide and um, that sort of started out with a name like Bethany and I was named after a winery in the Barossa Valley. So it was inevitable I was going to stay in Adelaide at some stage. And, you know, from there I did travel to London in the 80s and and work there. But I worked for an entrepreneur called Bill Spar, who's no longer with us these days, but he was um, very much in the forefront um, 
and working for him was a great education. He even brought out Michael and Albert Roux in the 80s and, and their young son who's now all grown up and, um, and we took them water skiing one weekend, you know, so they were sort of like friends. They were just amazing people. So I decided I thought I'd go to London and, and that's actually where I fell in love with food to be honest because the little boutique hotel I worked at had their own uh, three full-time gardeners. It was set on an 18-hole golf course. It was just idyllic and they grew mulberries and, and beautiful different heritage tomatoes and the potatoes tasted differently and the onions were sweet and the Welsh lamb was beautiful and I actually fell in love with food. But then I was – you just don't realise how far advanced Australia is um, and so – picking fresh herbs, they never even thought to do that. So I think I learned a lot from them and they learned a lot from me. So when I came back to, um, and I was only there for a couple of years, when I came back to Adelaide, I joined Hilton and uh, and being, it was in its day, brand new, first big hotel in Adelaide. It was very intimidating and it was very Germanic. Um, and I just sort of ducked for cover and just learned to survive for a few years. And I learned a lot from all the German systems, to be honest. They're very good operators, but it was never really food-focused. And so as time went on, I sort of worked my way up the ladder and um, became executive chef. And I was like the first girl, so it was quite intimidating. Some of the older men were a bit miffed because they were in line for the position, but I was the young one that got promoted. So not only did I have to cook well, I had to manage a team of people and, and try and create revenue for spaces. And then the Grange restaurant itself was uh, it was struggling and it didn't really have a true identity and um, a few smart heads, we all got together and decided that we'd employ Chong Lu and put him in there and he would bring the crowd and the media and so that that all happened in that time and um, brought Simon Bryant in who's done extremely well as part of the team. So I handpicked some pretty clever people over the years. What was that period like with such amazing people in the kitchen and that um, celebration of, of that restaurant? It was a roller coaster ride because <laughs> it was it doesn't come out of a book and it's not a set formula. It's created um, and, you know, many a night we'd sit and have a, a glass of champagne or two and and it was very left field and we come up with some unbelievable ideas and you know for Chong to win um, best restaurant in Australia for Gourmet Traveller back in those years um, was just an amazing achievement and it was wonderful to work with such a clever and very humble person as well so that was uh, the Hilton and I was there for 15 years it's hard to believe but I didn't stop learning and it was um a very respectful environment and in those years hotels used to make a lot of money but as times have moved on and things have changed and in recent times that's certainly not the case um you know everything everything's gone a little bit sideways because of covid and and here we are now well we'll get to the changes that you've had uh, because of COVID, but tell us a little bit about Mayfair and what you created there. What was the sort of, and your food, what was what food were you, were you cooking there? Um, well, seven years ago, um, the Mayfair, 
it had to have some kind of identity. I just got given a whole heap of A3 plans um, and they said, oh, the restaurants uh, stuck me in a project office and said, oh, the restaurant's in the basement. Here you go, see what you can come up with. And uh, <laughs> I sat in the Rundle Mall and looked up at this beautiful building. It looks, it looks like a building out of Fifth Avenue. You know, it's just gorgeous. And it's very classic. And, and I thought, well, I, I can't sort of do Spanish because I'm not Spanish and it's not going to be an Italian restaurant. And, oh, gosh, I don't think I put seafood in a basement. Uh, what's going to survive in a hotel in a basement in Adelaide? And I was thinking, oh, no, it's never going to work. But... I just had to come up with a formula that um, was appealing to the international traveller but also has to appeal to the local market. And so I, I decided to go classic and that was really – and everybody was doing modern. Everyone's, you know, doing smears and tweezers and fiddly and that's just not going to survive. Um, and so I was quite bravely – decided to do the classic and do prawn cocktails and beef wellingtons and flounder, whole flounder and and use all those lovely – I mean, Escoffia would have been so proud. It was just – it was so much fun and it was absolutely liberating. And, um, you know, the dessert trolley and the shoe swans, you know, we really put something quite spectacular together and it just took off. You know, it was amazing. And um, just getting the trolleys – you know, when you, you think of a food trolley, you think, oh, yuck, you know, it's something out of a supermarket. or, But it was um, refurbished in this beautiful silver roll-top carving trolley that um, and I picked up five trolleys and I got them from next to nothing and just had them refurbished and they look like a million bucks. And so putting a dessert trolley together with vintage glassware and just with all the classics, you know, like chocolate mousse and creme caramel and creme brulee, and uh, all those sorts of things were just a celebration of everything I'd learnt as an apprentice and, um, and really just sort of gave it a little bit of a, you know, a modern um, um, touch just to bring it up to date. But that's where Mayfair ended up and so we were quite unique and it's a fantastic formula for a hotel because people can just relate to the food and you're really just celebrating great local produce without having to do an awful lot to it and especially with your labour cost and everything, it was a smart way to go and it was a really efficient um, and uh, very successful formula. With uh, restaurants locked down and international travel stopped and even interstate travel uh, stopped, what sort of impact did that have on something like a boutique hotel with the Mayfair? Um, it was pretty scary, to be honest. Um, in the first few weeks... All the functions were cancelling. You know, you had $45,000 in functions cancelling one day um, and we were battening down the hatches. I was cancelling food orders, um, turning off fridges, cleaning everything down, scaling it all down, wrapping things up, freezing it, just getting ready to, to shut it down. And we had about a two-week lead-in. You could see that it was sliding. Um, and then, um, you know, you can't serve a breakfast buffet because you can't have buffets and so really the whole formula that was set up for the whole you know the six different menus that run out of one kitchen the whole thing had to change and pretty much stopped overnight everybody uh, was either made redundant or got stood down and the three of us myself my sous chef Hayley and Nelia 
we all stayed, the three of us ran the operation, breakfast, lunch and dinner, seven days a week. And oh, best weight loss program ever. I've never worked so hard. It was crazy. Um, but, you know, there was only very, very low occupancy, only a handful of rooms that were people on isolation packages. And so, you know, the hygiene side of things really kicked in. We had masks and um, – but it was quite odd coming into the city where the Mayfair Hotel is um, located on the corner of Hindley Street and King William. And Hindley Street is the party precinct. And to see that, really, it was a ghost town. To see that completely – um, empty and silent was a very strange feeling. Um, but the hardest, the most difficult part was not knowing, not being able to tell the staff, I'll just, you know, sit tight, you know, we'll look after you, um, we'll be back soon, you're still valuable, we care about you. You couldn't even, there was no, there's no message, it just, it just went quiet. Nobody could tell us because nobody knew what was going to happen and no one knew the answer because it was all new. So, you know, it's terrible because a lot of them were on visas and not Australian residents. So financially, they just didn't even have money to buy food. So really, it was a case of keeping in contact. So I'd send a message twice a week just to really keep an eye on mental health and just let people know that, you know, we'll get back to you as soon as possible. I didn't I didn't have that conversation with management. I didn't know myself what I felt for them. So I felt terrible in that, you know, my responsibility was to look after them and, and I couldn't. So that was quite difficult. But we all stayed in we did stay in contact and and as restrictions eased and South Australia moved forward reasonably quickly in the scheme of some of some states um we were able to bring people back and on job keeper um on limited hours and and start bringing people back in bit by bit but it has it's just um i suppose it turned the nature of the business the structure of how it all ran upside down on its head and it's just become a a, a mess and really the whole formula has to be tidied up again it just became difficult and I thought well I've had this fantastic opportunity to set it up and get it right and I've done all this work and now it's not working and I thought well do I really want to do this all again and I thought well you know maybe for the first time in my whole life I've had quite a few months off or just on limited hours with JobKeeper and trying to run um, you know, such a, a busy operation on 12 hours a week on JobKeeper. I, I just, you know, it was just out of out of control. I just thought, well, this time I'm having off is actually the not, the most time I've ever had off in my whole career. And I was starting to think, I kind of like the working this two days a week thing, although I'm broke, but I still eat well. And, uh, and I think everyone at Dan Murphy's knew me by name, so... <laughs> So yes, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, the the uh, opportunity it came up, and I, I as I saw the news every night, which I wasn't used to watching, um, the stories of coming out of uh, Victoria with the aged care sector, you know, it was just so brutal. And I just, my mother-in-law had just gone into aged care, and it's a fantastic home. It really is just amazing, and the food's pretty good. And, and I just thought, well, I, you know, you know, they're so quick to 
brush everyone with a, you know, the same, um, you know, formula that aged care is bad. Um, but it's just like there are good restaurants and bad restaurants. There are great providers, and there's ones that need to be up to standard. And and I just thought I could make a difference here. Um, so that's sort of where my thought process was, and I wasn't actually looking. To, to get out of hotel, restaurant, you know, the competitive sector and and fly into compliance sector. You know, it was just, just came that way. A friend of mine mentioned it and it was just an opportunity to sort of move into to aged care. You've been in the role for a little bit now. How different is it to working in a hotel restaurant? Yes, well, I sort of joked about it to start with and said, oh, you know, I've come from competitive to compliant but I'm creative and that the compliance doesn't need to overshadow the creative side and if you really truly enjoy what you do it's not about opening packets it's about cooking with love and um and at the end of the day I still love cooking and I and I enjoy um working with teams of people and creating and building their strength and I you know given the opportunity that Life care invests into skills and they're not just employing cooks. They're actually going to invest into um, chefs. That skill is transferable and it is possible to move the quality of food just up the rung and make it. It has to be nutritional and it has to be presented beautifully and it needs to be enjoyable because that's the meal that meal is what they look forward to every day you know that's the highlight of their day so for me to be able to you know offer that and give back um I I couldn't think of anything better and I actually I thought about it afterwards and I thought how amazing that these people probably came and ate in my restaurant um many times and at the Hilton Hilton and Urban and Mayfair and it's kind of nice now maybe I can feed them you know in their last few years in, in aged care and make a difference um, so for all the right reasons my sort of career evolved that way without me even planning it it just sort of came up um, yeah so I'm in aged care who would have ever believed that I would have gone and done that but um you know, I was just looking at doing a red velvet pudding with a cream cheese dressing. I was thinking, yum. Wow. I think I might try it out at home tonight first. <laughs> <laughs> What's some of the challenges involved in creating a menu for the aged care facilities compared to restaurants? Because you're probably targeting nutrition more and um, your budget may be different as well. Is, is there some challenges involved? Uh, sure. Um Maggie Beer has actually put a lot of work into um, aged care, which has been great, and um, being able to um, increase the spend so, you know, we can purchase, you know, very good quality uh, ingredients so that obviously translates, um, you know, obviously for nutrition as well. Every menu that is uh, written is approved by a dietitian to ensure that every um, resident gets um, well fed um, and all their requi nutritional requirements are taken care of. So it's not just sort of what you feel like cooking. You know, it's really well mapped out, really well planned. And they buy 
good quality ingredients and so you might have um, you know the opportunity to you know they absolutely love lamb shanks you know you can spend a lot of time braising good quality ingredients as well and they have state-of-the-art kitchens so there's none of this sitting on a milk crate at lunchtime for your for your break um, which I will miss <laughs> um, and they do things really well and I'm actually really uh, impressed by the, the actual care and the culture and and at my at my interview, and I haven't been for an interview for, for years because, you know, you sort of go from one job and someone sees that you can, and they offer you another job and it just sort of evolves that way. This time I actually went for an interview and I didn't have a clue on, on what to say. <laughs> I, was, um, I felt like I was a teenager again. Um, and I, I think the big thing was if you're going to make a difference in aged care, you need to employ like-minded people to create a culture. So at the end of the day, you've got to get the right people and they're prepared to invest into skills. Um, and so we can, you know, make make a big um, change. And I, I will, you know, I love a good challenge. Hilton was a massive challenge at 28, being executive chef and, and putting my own restaurant together and surviving 12 years at Urban and then putting Mayfair together from scratch. Um, I'm, I've been here at Life Care for three weeks and um, uh, I, I can see where I'm, I'm going to make those changes and um, invest a lot of time um, and get in there at grassroots and, and actually cook with everybody and just until we get all up to speed I'll do – there's five different kitchens across the um, uh, Adelaide's um, metropolitan area so I'll just focus on one do that really really well make that a template and then we'll transfer that knowledge and skills to the other sites as well so that should keep me out of trouble for a while I would think <laughs> is it, what's the expectation like on yourself you're an award-winning chef is it is it will there be dishes or versions of dishes that you've um, heroed in the past on menus or Take us through what we might see on menus. Yeah, um, definitely um, keeping the the quality of the ingredients there. You know, just um, you have to uh, take into account the people are you know, really the the older the oldest of the baby boomers are now moving into aged care, and at the end of the day they don't want a glass of sherry with their dinner, they want a really nice glass of wine and they probably would like some, um, you know, a lovely white napkin, some beautiful linen on the table and the glassware is elegant as well. So really their expectations is only going to grow and um, to be able to um, serve garlic prawns but just done beautifully and simply but with flavour um, or, you know, just... I have to tell you this absolutely wonderful story. On my first day with Life Care, I, I was walking down the hallway and an older gentleman came walking towards me and it was my chef. It was my chef and my mentor from Regency Park College who helped me become wow. a chef and got my foot in the door at Regency Park College. Um, and being the only girl in the whole college, I was, he was a wonderful support. Mr. Brian Laws, 
And as he walked past me in the hallway, I went, Chef, it's you, Chef. And the smile on his face was just golden. It was just, he was such a sweet man. He um, supported me at the Hilton and ate there when I was um, chef. And then when I opened my own restaurant, which I had for 12 years, he came and ate at Urban. Then at the Mayfair, he came and had um, a few meals there. He was just getting a little bit older then. And I had this wonderful picture of him blowing out a candle for a birthday. And I um, printed it off and I've, I've sent it to him. And so now he's in one of the – now he completes the whole circle. He supported me throughout my whole career and now I get to feed him. So – I think he might want a beef wellington and a creme brulee. You know, he's not going to want to eat anything else other than the best. How are you feeling about the the restaurant industry moving forward given what's just happened? You've sort of moved to the left of the industry but you're still cooking. What, what does the hospitality landscape look like for you? Yeah, the hospitality landscape, um, it's it has changed. Um you know, Adelaide's moving forward quite quickly now and there's a lot of people out and about and the, the sun's shining. We're now in October and um, it's, you know, it's safe and healthy and people are going out and the, everyone's still very careful though, which is wonderful. Um, the restaurant trade has picked up and I think it has, we've lost a few along the way, um, which is sad to hear and some wonderful places as well. Um, I just, you know, it, it's like, you know, hotels are regulated. I just wonder whether you can do the same for restaurants. I mean, it's, it's a hard game. You're lucky if you make five cents in the dollar. Um, really, do we really need that many restaurants? The best restaurants should thrive and do well and be successful and buy new crockery and pay their staff really well. And if that was more controlled and we didn't have thousands and thousands of restaurants in all, you know, just it's buying a job, it's not really running a business, a business needs to make money so you can invest back into it, whether it be, the, you know, the staff or the quality of, you know, the refurbishment, whatever. It just would be much more controlled or regulated, would make a bigger difference Um the hard thing, it is a hard thing because there are a lot of people who are very keen to get in. Um, it's a hard it's a hard decision and it's a big sacrifice on your family and, you know, the, there are ones that do extremely well. Um, but if it's not profitable, it's not worth doing and that that's, you know, the hard facts, unfortunately. You've made a huge decision to leave the industry in a way. Has this time changed you as a person as well? Oh, it has changed me. Um, I actually see the sun go down at night and I get excited about seeing a sunset, which is crazy after all these years. Uh, I, I um, probably a bit more reflective looking back. I don't, you know, I've absolutely loved everything I've done and uh, I now have more time to uh, probably make a, a bigger difference in a different way. Um, I think I, I'm probably more sad that I, I leave behind a, a beautiful team of um, chefs at the Mayfair. I'm sad because I miss them because um, they were just 
you know, chefs talk chef language and it's not quite the same when you're in an office to start with. But I'll be um, out of out of this office very soon. I've just got my feet on the ground and got myself organised and I can get back out there. Um, it has it has changed my um, outlook. You know, it's a different culture. Um, it's very respectful. Um, I'm really um, surprised I didn't get in and see what was going on in aged care sooner um, because I could have made a difference a long time ago, I think. But, you know, part of, you know, my career has evolved to this stage. So I probably, you know, everything I've learnt along the way is transferable and some of those wonderful dishes can, um, you know, now be... Um, celebrated with, you know, the people that have supported me. So as, as a person, I, I think I'm more well-rounded. I'm much more tolerant. I have a better understanding of business. Um, and I, I think every every experience has been a, an education and I've learnt from it, which is, um, you know, I'm very, very fortunate to have been able to do that and stay here. In, in a state that I absolutely love and adore. What, what are you loving about the new role and, and what do you hope to bring to the aged care sector that perhaps is missing? Oh, the aged care sector, um, it has so much compliance um, for the health, wealth and, you know, the safety of the of the residents and so – and that in itself is is massive and it's, it's big and it's hard to get your head around just how much um, – needs to go into that and behind the scenes people probably don't realise just how clever they are to, to what they create. But the bit that's missing is the creativity because you get so bogged down in all the other stuff. You know, I'm trying to put that to one side and that creativity needs to come out in just the way we do things. Like there's a bit of a challenge because some of the uh, homes are quite well spread out and so getting hot food a, a distance away is quite a challenge. And um, I just saw on Instagram the other night these fantastic, you know, in the in the mug puddings, you know, chocolate puddings and red velvet puddings. And I thought, oh, how cool is that? You know, that's fun. We can we could do something like that. So you can actually bring some really modern ideas. Um, and and that is transferable um, to be able to um, maybe change the way we do things and the way they've always done it doesn't mean that it can, you know, no doubt, um, uh, you know, I, I think those changes might be difficult and people don't always like change because that's the way we've always done it but that's kind of not the attitude when you're a chef and if you want to move forward, and make those changes, everyone needs to be on board. So, you know, getting the right people, having everybody understand what it is we're going to achieve together, it should be exciting and it, it should be a little bit liberating really because you can see new exciting things. And just my mum grows these violas. She's always grown and always given me packets of flowers to use for high tea and um, love her to pieces. So she dropped off flowers and she said, oh, you won't be needing these anymore for the Mayfair. And I went, oh, no, no, I need more. I've got five sites now. You need to grow more. We'll put flowers on the scones. We'll have flowers on the well, everything, you know. We'll do high tea. We can have events. We can do what we did at the Mayfair. We can transfer fantastic ideas into aged care. 
Um, so, you know, we're not limited to just doing what we've always done before. And I just hope I can change that perception and attract um, people who are really uh, passionate about cooking and who don't just go through the motions and who do care about what they do. And at the end of the day, homestyle cooking, um, you know, is is, you know, the cornerstone. And, you know, Jamie Oliver does that so well. He is just so good at that. And the quality of, of the food that they can have is just only limited by the person who's, who's creating it. So it just opens up a massive opportunity to make uh, amazing, beautiful, fresh food every day. Um, and, and put the compliance to one side. Yes, we'll do everything correctly, but focus on the bit that's important and that's actually cooking it well um, with lots of flavour and nutrition and think about the presentation. Um, and these um, uh, kitchens are a state of the art, so there's no excuse in my eyes. Well, Bethany, uh, there's going to be some very lucky, well-fed older people in uh, Adelaide. It's pretty extraordinary they're going to have a chef of your calibre creating a menu for them. Uh, we've loved hearing your story today. Thank you so much for joining us on Deep in the Weeds. Keep in touch and uh, we'll talk again soon. I certainly will. Thank you so much. Cheers. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we share the stories of Australia's hospo community, suppliers and producers in search of hope during this pandemic. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.